0: Learn more about us today at shockyourpotential.com and download our free Shock Your Potential app today. Listen in to today's expert. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Shock Your Potential. And as always, and never changing, I am your host, Michael Sherlock. In case someday I actually maybe have a guest host. I don't know. We'll think about that. But all month long during this month of April, where we're all thinking about money, particularly how much we have to give to the government, I am talking about money matters, or money matters, or money does matter. Anyway, no matter which way you show the inflection, we do know that it matters, and every one of my guests is helping us to figure out how to make it matter more for us, and my guest today is Sanger D. Smith. He's recently celebrated 10 years of service with Clear Fork Wealth Management. Now, in this, he's managed a half a billion dollars, so he knows something or two about, you know, how to make money grow. And he serves as both a managing partner and financial advisor with the firm. Now, it's been said that uh, he's not only savvy in terms of financial advice with designations and behavioral finance advice and as an accredited portfolio management advisor, But his true passion lies in diving into the core values and beliefs of his clients. And he does this to provide each of them with a uniquely tailored service and advice for them to help them get the most out of their quality of living, both financially and intrinsically, so that they can meet their goals and live a, which we all want, a better life. So joining me today is Sanger. Thank you so much for being my guest.
1: Hey, Michael. Thanks so much for having me. I got to say, I absolutely love it here. The energy is vibrant and wonderful.
0: Yay. That's what I try to do. (laughs) Keep the energy going. In fact, sometimes at the end of the day when I'm taping these podcasts and I've done seven in a day, I'm like, I don't know how I still have energy. And then I know why, because my guests make it so. So I'm very glad. And I had some of the highlights on your uh, bio there, but I think it's always best to come from you. So tell us a little bit more in your own words about you, your business, and how you help your clients to shock their financial potential.
1: Thanks so much. That's a great question because a lot of times people hear financial advisors, they think, oh, I have an idea of what that is. A guy probably manages money or something along those lines. Well, at ClearFork, obviously we do that. Um, you have to do that to be in the business. Uh, if you can't manage money, you're probably not going to be a financial advisor for very long, right? Yeah, but no, We want to go beyond that. that. We want to go beyond that and really fulfill exactly what you said, which is our mission to help people make great money decisions so they can meet their goals and live a better life it really all comes down to decision-making. So we view our role for the families that hire us as one of managing decisions and improving decisions. So we spend a lot of energy focusing on that um, because daily we've got to make thousands and thousands of decisions. And the difference between someone who is financially successful and someone who is financially unsuccessful is not the stock that they decided to buy when they were in their Mm thirties. It's not, quite so much how much money they saved in this account versus that account. It's the compounding effect of good sound decision-making when it comes to their money, repeating that over and over for years Mm -hmm. and decades to end up where they want to be. So the way that we help people shock their potential, I love that this is the name of your podcast. (laughs) I love that that is the word choice that you have, because I believe that everybody has the potential to become financially fulfilled in life in whatever way that they define that, right? Obviously, we all have different goals and different standards for what financial fulfillment looks like based on the, the, the values that we inherently have, right? Some people choose careers where they're not hoping to make a, a, a pretty penny at all but they're doing it because they have a passion in that area those people can still become financially successful it's just going to look different than the guy who decided to go be a corporate lawyer so he can make 400 grand right out of law school they're different right. people so we do that by understanding number 1 what's deeply important to our clients on a a fundamental foundational basis what are their core values and we help them align not only their financial goals but their behaviors with those values Now that's both a very simple and a very complex process, (laughs) right? If I say-
0: Yeah, because we're we're dealing with human beings.
1: (laughs) Exactly, right? So there's always going to be things that are coming in uh, that can threaten my ability to live up to my potential. Mm. There are things that can come in and and derail my efforts to stay aligned with my values. If it was Mm -hmm. so easy to live up to our values- Uh, there are a lot of things that we wouldn't have in this world. We wouldn't have prison. We wouldn't have religion. (laughs) There's a lot of things we wouldn't have, right? (laughs) so Um, true. But it's hard to live up to our values. It's hard to be the best version of who we want to be. And Mm. my job, you know, I'm not a life coach. Uh, I don't talk to people (laughs) about anything other than their money. But I hope when it comes to their money, that the work that I do, the work that the rest of the advisors on our team do, helps people feel more, number one, fulfilled, but also aligned with their values so that they can fulfill the potential that they have with the money that they have and will earn ultimately throughout the rest of their life.
0: Yeah. I So many notes I was taking as you were talking, because I was, you know, with every guest that I've had on this month, it's been such an interesting um, journey for me thinking about through my my lifetime, my earning time, my, my career trajectory, you know, the, the money that I made, the financial decisions that I made um, many more bad ones <laughs> than right. good ones, um, <laughs> right. you know, and at and least you luckily, remember
1: the bad ones better. Oh
0: God, I would like to just forget about them all, but I can't right. do that. Um, <laughs> But it's, it's really interesting to me that I think to make better decisions, you have to look at those honestly, remember the bad decisions. You have to acknowledge that you made bad decisions and not try and, you know, sugarcoat around it, but say, look, that, that did not help me. That was not serving me. That wasn't serving my future. It wasn't serving my present. It might've felt good at the moment to take that vacation or buy that thing that I knew was t- too, uh, too expensive. My, my, I still have it. But I remember the first time I bought a mattress that cost $1,000. And it was like, that was my $1,000 mattress. Now, yeah. did I deserve a $1,000 mattress? I thought I did. Do I love the bed? T- Still, if I get mad at my husband, I sleep in that bed.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: and I'm like, ah, it's okay. We'll make up later. I'm sleeping in my $1,000 mattress. But it's one of those things that every time I look at it, I go, I really did not have I was not in the right financial place at that point in time to buy a $1,000 mattress. Why did I buy a $1,000 mattress? And why do I refuse to get rid of it? Because I spent $1,000 on it. I'll have it till the day I die.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's funny. Yeah, there's so many many different things from a, a small level to... You know, a fifty dollar decision to a thousand dollar decision to a hundred thousand dollar decision, the million dollar decisions yeah. that people make, and and I think it's so important, and we certainly believe this at ClearFort, It's so important to number one be come to that decision point with all of the available knowledge. Yeah. the The thing is that that knowledge, a lot of people think that that's the only component necessary to make a good decision, right? If that if that was it, we'd be out of business because you can Google all the knowledge that's available wow. but but wisdom isn't as abundant wisdom isn't easily accessible and so I'm fortunate enough in my own life to be able to avoid a lot of bad decisions for myself financially because I've been imparted with the wisdom of being in this industry talking to people over and over and over for years about money decisions that they've made and so I get to impart that wisdom that I've gotten from clients and also other advisors to each new person that I meet, every time we go through a decision-making process, um, that I think lining up with your values would have, you know, how would that have changed that decision to buy the thousand-dollar mattress? Because it's possible that it, upon reflection, you see now, okay, maybe that was a high price tag to pay, but if if that that could have been worth the alternative. You know, what were you going to do with that money if you didn't spend it on a mattress? Were you going to save it up so that you could spend it on the business that you were going to create years down the road? Were you going to put it in your retirement account? I mean, likely not. It was mattress money, right? It was probably going somewhere anyway, as, in terms of consumption. So at yep. least you spent it on something that it matters to you, and that's getting a good night's rest.
0: Well, that I still have. And it is a great mattress. I mean, it really, it still is to this day. I know you're supposed to change them like every eight years. Screw that. No way.
1: Yeah. Not when you (laughs) spend a thousand dollars. No, no.
0: Well, and I think that that it, to your point, that's, it's really true that when you make decisions um, to take, all the available knowledge you have but to take you know that time for reflection and say i mean actually i teased myself and and you know make a joke out of it now but actually i'd love that mattress and it but it's it's one of those those things that i made that decision i wanted to have a great comfortable mattress that was the one i want and somehow that gave me a sense of um, you know i don't know success in life, I guess, with the mattress. I don't, not necessarily that wasn't, I wasn't showing it sure, off to sure. people like, Hey, want to come see my thousand dollar mattress. But I knew that there was a psychological impact to that uh-huh. and by, you know, by buying it. And I think that when we really take time to reflect and slow down and ask ourselves, why are we making this purchase? Then sometimes we say, okay, I'm okay with it. And, mm-hmm. and I understand, and I acknowledge it. And other times you might say, it's probably not what I should be doing right this minute. Maybe I need the five hundred dollars mattress until until I can sure. uh, until I can really balance you know this financially. Um, so I think it's you know it's being a financial advisor, you must have to work with people to maybe sometimes hold that mirror up to them or at least help them to start to think about how to have the the thought the thought process themselves,
1: yeah, we don't we don't spend a ton of our time focusing on the small purchases that people make. Um, typically, as we're as we're working, we're focusing on you know big picture. What are the big objectives? What are the things that we really definitely want to accomplish? Um, mm-hmm. So I may not even get the chance to talk to somebody about the money that they spend on a mattress. Most of the time, it doesn't come up, and we don't know. But I think that that the 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 core there is to line up that decision with what's deeply important to you on a fundamental level. And if you're married, deeply important to you and your spouse, deeply Mm -hmm. important to the family that you want to create. Mm -hmm. Now that is different than what I think should be important to me. What other people tell me should be important to me. I talk to a lot of people who's, who, and, and I, I often ask them about what their parents shared with them about money. How, how, what was money like for you when you were growing up? And, and we all come from different backgrounds. And so, through that, through our childhood, some of us had a better relationship with money than others, but likely we got some values imposed upon us as it relates to our relationship with money. You know, someone who is raised by parents who put a high, price on security. Security and stability were the absolute utmost, most important thing that you could ever get with your money, who Mm -hmm. never spent a penny on anything they didn't absolutely need. And they retired with more money than they ever could spend. And they still didn't have any fun. Right.
0: Yeah. Because then they were still afraid to
1: spend it. They're still afraid to spend it. Right. Yeah. Someone who was raised by, by that family May may not value that themselves, but feels like they do, and has a deep sense of guilt and shame when they, oh yeah, deviate from that in the slightest way.
0: Yeah, I know I a lot that's of those why people. I've- I think that's why I'm guilty about the thousand dollar mattress.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It could be, it could be.
0: Go on. I I don't mean to interrupt. No, (laughs) but I
1: mean, that's a great point, right? Because I'm sure that just by virtue of you even bringing it up, it's like you probably beat yourself up over that mattress, even though it's a joke, right? I get it. (laughs) But you beat yourself up over that more than you ever need to. It's a thousand bucks at the end of the day. I mean, you know, you're, you're not going to, your financial life isn't going to hinge on a thousand dollar purchase (laughs) that you made, but the opposite's true. Some people who who value feel like they should value material possessions. They should value recognition. Maybe they don't, but they feel like they should, and they they've got to spend more money on cars and houses mm-hmm. that look nice and fancy when yeah. that's not what they get utility out of. Mm-hmm. Now, those two different people, some you know, some people, someone who does not want to spend because they value their security more than they value freedom or more than they value recognition or more than they value appearance it isn't any better or worse than someone spending money on the opposite. Yeah. The only thing that's bad about that is is the individual who's not lining that up with their own life.
0: Right. right. And where
1: they want to be. Right. So I, I ask people to think about, you know, what is the ideal version of who you would like to become,
0: Mm
1: -hmm. right? I I know that you're already thinking of exactly what that version of Michael would be doing today. And maybe Mm -hmm. it's a lot of the same things, right? Hopefully. Um, But you know exactly what the best version of you eats and drinks and how much sleep you get and who you spend your time with, what you do for for money and all of those things, what you do with your free time. So we got to line up those financial decisions to get you there. And if we're not constantly reminded of those, it's really easy to fail. You know, health is something that's super important to me. If I don't constantly remind myself of that, number one, that it is important and number two, why it's important. I will find myself in the Whataburger drive-thru at 10 PM on a Thursday. I I will be there.
0: (laughs) I'm too far away from one and I want one now.
1: (laughs) I'm sorry to do it to you. Sorry to tease you for those of you who are not in Texas.
0: (laughs) But you're right. You're right. You would if you if you didn't stay aligned to it and continue to remind yourself, you would you would uh, fall you know falter from that because it's yeah. easy to get. And I think that that's uh, I guess was kind of the the joke of my question too is is you know if when I look back on that, besides the fact that I was raised Catholic, so everything makes me feel guilty. So that's why I still feel guilty about it. Is you know if you if you ask me about the you know the the alignment, I would think of where I really wanted to be right there was to have more money in the bank to mm-hmm. um, To be there for you know big emergencies because I had uh, made that mistake before and I really wanted to have that you know level of security and I you know and I made a different choice and I think that when I look back um, until probably 15 years ago I made choices at times that didn't serve my long term goal which mm-hmm. was more security free you know like yeah. freedom freedom from worrying. And so in that decision, I knew that I was trying to make myself feel better by the purchase of something that I felt felt was luxurious. And uh-huh. you're right. If if you would have instead somebody saying, Let's talk about what you're really trying to achieve, then decide whether or not that purchase aligns with that, yeah. you know, or those decisions that you make as a family or as an individual. I think it really I, I don't think most people have been raised to talk about money that way. And I love that, you know, that that your focus is in line with that. I think that there's a lot of people that you know, would need a lot of practice at it.
1: Sure. And and you're absolutely right. Most people have not. I was fortunate enough to be exposed to money at a very young age. You know, my, my father's a financial advisor as well. So I got to learn in the same way that a lot of young boys learn to work on cars and go out hunting. I, hey, I learned about money. That's what we spent our time on. Um, nice. So the exactly what you said, which is, you know, if we can align what how we think about individual decisions to you know where we want to be. I totally agree with that, but you said one other thing, which is you know, you wanted to have security in your life financially. To me, that 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 highlights the this a big issue that I see in the way that we collectively talk about money. So as a culture, we we like rules. So there are a lot of money rules that people feel like they have to follow. And one of them is, oh, you've got to have Uh, six months of your income set aside in cash, right? A lot of people Mm -hmm. have heard that. Well, that's not true for everyone. For some people it is, right? but it depends on a lot of different things. Only one of which is what you value, right? If you don't value security, then maybe you can get by with a little bit less. You've just got to really know what that means, right? Now, if you value security to the, extreme, six months might not be enough, but it also depends right. on, you know, how variable is your income? Are you getting, are you getting a salary? Or are you working on commission only? Do you own your own business? Are you married? Mm-hmm. If so, is your spouse also working? Or if they're not, that's, that's, you're we're in a different spot. You know, how much of your monthly expenses right. are committed and fixed? How much of your monthly expenses are debt? There's a not, a precise number that's going to work for everybody. So you know, I don't know exactly right. what, how you were feeling when when you were at this point in your life, <laughs> you know. But it, it's possible that the target that you had set for yourself on on what or or anybody who who's ever been in this point where they felt like they needed to do something um, was completely different than the target that you had set for yourself. You know, mm-hmm. the where you really needed to be was where you were.
0: Yeah. And then it's it's really great to reflect on and it. it's interesting too as I watch uh, my son who is about to turn 30 and you know trying and I see him making decisions that I made at that age that weren't in my best financial future yeah. and it's so hard to not be the nagging mother and really as one of the things I'm taking away from this discussion with you is to really, instead of saying, why did you, you know, spend your money that way is a better discussion for me would be, tell me about what you guys want to achieve and what are your goals Uh and what are your values and, and how do you see yourself, you know, achieving them? Because then I'm not only not being a nag, but I'm helping them to, to think through it from a different perspective.
1: I I love that. Yeah. I love that. You know, when we ask people why we're, immediately going to put them in defensive mode says, Hey, uh, what, what, was, uh, what was the decision-making process here? But yeah, I mean, a lot of people ask the question, you know, where do you see yourself in five years? That's a job interview question, yeah. right? I think that's a terrible way to think about your money, because if I said, what are you going to be spending your money on five years from now? You don't necessarily know, oh, okay, well, I'm going to buy a, you know, $500,000 house and I'm going to buy a, you know, a brand new Chevy Tahoe and I'm going to be saving, x amount into my 401k you don't know that but you do probably know exactly what you would like to be important to you yes in five years you probably know exactly how you would like to feel and that's a lot easier to work towards because we don't need specifics we go okay we don't know how big the house is whether you're going to buy a car or not we don't know how much money you're, you're going to be spending or not spending on different lifestyle choices. But we know you want this freedom. How can we work towards freedom? Because that's different than what some other people may say, which is I want adventure. I want, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so I think that's a fantastic way to approach that with your son is to say, Hey, what's important to you?
0: Absolutely. Because
1: that's probably what you should be keeping in front of mind.
0: I'm getting better. I'm get one yeah. of these days. I'll get this motherhood thing down.
1: I, I, so you're, you're more experienced than me.
0: <laughs> We're gonna take a quick break. We'll hear from our sponsor, and we will be right back. Imagine starting a long journey without a map, or even a clear idea of the obstacles ahead. That's exactly what it's like for entrepreneurs who start companies with a lot of passion. But without the financial expertise to grow and scale their businesses and create long-term wealth for their families find a financial advisor who can help you map a better journey wayne titus shows you how in his book the entrepreneur's guide to financial well-being with the right advisor at your side you'll have the freedom to focus on what really matters to you Get the Entrepreneur's Guide to Financial Wellbeing at Amazon.com and in the virtual bookstore on the Shock Your Potential app. And we are back with Sanger Smith, and we are talking about all things that are tied with money that um, also come down to our values, which I really appreciate. And so I've asked each of my guests this month to you know, help us with some top tips for each of us to consider, implement, that will help us to make better financial decisions or better impact our financial uh, presence and futures. So, you know, what are some of the tips that you'd like to share with people?
1: Well, I, there are so many, right. Um, and when I talk to individuals, we can really get customized, right. With, with the, the tips. So to, I'm going to try to keep it broad, but because my role is to help people make better choices, better decisions, make the best decision possible at every turn. And, um, the impact that emotions can have on the decision-making process is extremely negative, right? Mm-hmm. Emotions can can disrupt the decision-making process and cause us to make a really poor, ill-advised, ill-advised choice. And when mm-hmm. that's when that's our money, that can be really damaging and hard to overcome. So, whether that's a positive or negative emotion, too, right? Um, there were there is this game called Cyberball. That um, psychologists created, which I don't know if you've ever heard of, but no. cyberball is essentially a game of catch over the computer. So you get onto the computer, and you have this option to pass your ball to one of two other players that are that are playing just like you in this game. And so let's say you you sit down and you pass it to player A. Player A passes it to player B, and then player B holds it and passes it back to A. And then A, pass it back to B. And after a while, you're sitting there going, hey, what the heck? I'm playing the game too, right? And uh-huh. you sit there and you're excluded from this game. Now, if we we're playing catch out in at recess, out in the schoolyard, you'd be able to wave your hand and say, hey guys, I'm open. But you yeah. can't even do that. You're just stuck in this game, a monkey in the middle, and you are you can't win, right? Wow. Okay, so how do you feel when you go through this game? You you feel like probably most participants that the psychologist found, which did you feel... Lonely, you feel rejected, you feel kind of like an outcast. So the really interesting thing that, that these researchers did was in a study in Hong Kong, they asked people to go through this game of cyberball. Now, half of the participants had an experience like the one that I described
0: mm-hmm.
1: because it was a computer. Okay, so they're not playing real people. They think right. they are, but they're not. They're playing a computer program that's designed to not pass to them the ball. Exclude them, right? Right. The other group of people was playing against a computer program that was designed to include them, designed to pass them the ball frequently. Now, you may wow. say this is a really stupid little game. It's not even a real catch. Like, how much could this impact <laughs> me? But it did. So, what was interesting is they they had these two groups go through it. Again, one was excluded from the game. One was included in the game. After they got done playing, they had them do a series of tasks. One of the tasks was they asked them to gamble. Okay. So they asked them, hey, would you prefer a a, a gamble of A, where you get an 80% chance of winning $200 and a 20% chance to not get anything at all? So 80% chance, $200 or 20, 80% chance, $200, 20% chance, nothing. Or would you choose B, which is a 20% chance of $800 and an 80% chance of zero. Okay. So now those bets are, they have the exact same expected payout, meaning if I would run them a thousand times each, you'd end up with the same amount of money. Okay. Right. Because it's it's just the inverse. It's 80% chance of 200, 20% chance of 800. Right. Gotcha. So what was really, really interesting is what they found is of those two groups, the group that was excluded mm-hmm. in the game of Cyberball was one and a half times more likely to pick B, which is the riskier option. Wow. Right? Wow, that's crazy. You've, you've got an 80% chance of walking away with nothing that's a that's the risky option but the people that were excluded were much more likely to choose that so what they found is that the feelings of loneliness feelings of rejection feelings mm-hmm. of exclusion can cause people to focus on the maybe utilitarian uh, the utility of money the the instrumentality of money maybe a better word but mm-hmm. they focus on what can they get with their money now that's not a conscious mm. thought right we've all been right. lonely but right. i've never gone to the supermarket and spent money to buy <laughs> connectivity right and i need to buy friends right now i never did that but it, it's really intriguing because they also found that people were more likely to invest their money aggressively if they felt lonely
0: interesting
1: isn't that fascinating huh. right so so that's a way that our emotions can impact us negatively, right? If we're being yeah. risky and we don't even know it, yeah. <laughs> right? Because presumably you don't really know in that scenario. You're certainly not consciously where oh, I'm going to be risky with my investments because I feel sad, yeah. um, but it can happen. Yeah. And so, what what I encourage people to do is is there, there's a couple of tips in there. Number number one. Is I think the importance of aligning your money with your goals and your values is amplified when I highlight the impact that emotions can have. So mm-hmm. a lot of people ask me. Um, these are not cl- clients; don't ask me this, but friends or people who are outside of my client base say, you know, hey, uh, what do you think about this stock? Right? What do you think about this? What do you think about this investment? Right? My clients, we've got a game plan where they're you know we know yeah. what we're doing. But when people ask me that, I always respond with well, you've presented this option. By what criteria has it met your filter to be included in your financial life? Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: most people don't have an answer to that because the real answer is Google or my brother-in-law told me it was good, right? Or Kramer. (laughs) Yeah, so I heard it on the radio or something, like, you know, whatever. Okay, but that's, that. we're much more likely to, to accept that offhand suggestion from a coworker on which stock to buy. When we're feeling excluded, ah. So the other component of that is when people retire, right? Um, when people retire, a lot of a lot of our culture focuses on how to get out of working.
0: Mm-hmm. Now,
1: entrepreneurs we don't think that way quite right. the same, right? But a lot of people do. A lot of people think, okay, I'm going to go to work, get my paycheck. And the entire, my entire relationship with money is designed so that I don't have to go to work anymore. Um, So for those people, the the saddest thing that I see is people who retire and then immediately become isolated because they don't have that social connectivity outside of work and they don't retire to anything. They simply Mm -hmm. retire away from a job they hate. Yeah. Right. So I, I talk with people all the time and I say, Hey, look, Financially, you can retire. I'm not recommending that you do because I haven't heard you tell me anything that you do with all your free time. Right. Instead, just go into go into your boss's office and let him know that you could quit at any time because you don't need the paycheck and see how he changes the way he treats you.
0: <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> and, and
1: those guys, it, they're, they're, they, they live a very different life because they have a completely different relationship with work. They say, Hey man, my boss knows I can quit at any time. So I just say whatever I want. I wear whatever I want. I do whatever I want. I show up late (laughs) sometimes and that's okay. No one gives me a hard time. Um, But, you know, so I would say tie your tie your investments to actual goals. If you're going to purchase an investment, you need to know exactly what it's for, not just generally because you think it's going to make money right? That may be a good reason. Hopefully all of our investments are making money, but what goal is this for? The mm-hmm. second is if I, for those of you who, who are older, let's, when we're going towards retirement, retire to something, not away from something. Mm-hmm. Uh, the third thing that I would say is generally, you know, I'm a single guy. Uh, I don't have a spouse. I don't have children. I have parents, siblings, grandparents, cousins. I have family that I love very much, but I don't have an immediate family that I live with. So I understand the feeling of loneliness that can come with a lifestyle where we don't get to go home to somebody. A lot of people feel lonely when they go home to somebody anyway, but find (laughs) ways to connect, find Mm -hmm. ways to connect. I think that's incredibly helpful or incredibly important rather, especially over what we've been through the last 12 months. But feelings of loneliness can have a real real negative impact in your relationship with your money
0: i agree and it just as you were talking um about just that whole you know gambling scenario from from the the test i was thinking about you know every once in a while we like to go to the casino now haven't been Mm -hmm. there for quite a while but whenever we go my husband and i we set a time limit on how long we're going to be there and we know how much we're each willing to lose because that's you know that's my mindset if i win great Or if I can play a long time before I lose my money, that's even better. But I know that that's the amount that I'm comfortable losing. And um, so it's a different mindset, but you, sometimes you'll walk in and you will see people and you'll feel their desperation. Mm -hmm. You know, it's that person that's got two machines and they're plugging stuff in them, you know, over and over again. And you feel that. And I always, I'm always have that sense of, is this your rent money you know because you you yeah. get that sense that palpable sense that they are just desperate to find a solution and running farther and faster into bad decisions with their money for whatever reason but they always do look quite lonely so i can see how that's a correlation
1: yeah no kidding right that's and and that's the saddest <laughs> that's the saddest image of a casino i went to a casino in oklahoma once and i vowed to never go back because that's all <laughs> i saw I saw people, you know, just, I felt like it it just, you could tell, you could tell that it wasn't healthy just by looking at them and they were all by themselves.
0: Was that, is that the one is that the one that's just right across the border out of out of dallas oh
1: yeah we got to get out there. of texas to go to the casino so it's literally about it's a stone's throw across the state line <laughs> I, I went there
0: once on a trip when i was uh, in dallas because i hadn't been to oklahoma yet and i wanted to go so i figured out i could go there i went there and i won 358 dollars. still remember <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's funny <laughs>
0: But I took my money and I went right back to
1: Dallas.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, singer. I think we could talk about this all day. And this is, it's really fascinating. I think you've given a really unique perspective uh, for my listeners this month to really think about this alignment of values, um, and the emotional ties and triggers that we have to try and make sure that we're thinking more about alignment. I love it. And I know we're going to have all of your contact information on our show notes, but just in case somebody wants to look you up right now, cause they're like, I need to meet that guy and talk to him about my alignment of my financial future. What's the best way for people to find you?
1: Well, the good news is my parents gave me the gift of being very easy to find on Google. Um, <laughs> there's not a whole lot of Sangers out there. Um, But clearforkwealth.com, that's our company. That's our website. uh, That's where you can find us.
0: Excellent. And before we go, do you have any last words of wisdom or pearls of advice for my listeners and viewers?
1: You know, I would say know what's important to you and know why you make decisions. Know the why behind your choices. Um, That why is going to guide you through a lot and right past a lot of bad pitfalls. Um, The biggest, the biggest difference, again, like I said, between people who are successful and unsuccessful, it's not how much money they make. uh, It's how much money they keep because they Mm -hmm. make good decisions.
0: I love it. Thank you so much for your expertise today. You have been a pleasure to have as a guest.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Thank you for joining us on another episode of the Shock Your Potential podcast. Learn more about us today at shockyourpotential.com, including details on Michael's two best best-selling books.